Children of the world, parents of the world, this is for you. I'm Rowena. And I'm April. We are best friends and moms to five young athletes and sisters to Olympic champions. We have a mission to inspire our kids and your kids through the stories of champions. Who am I? I am a champion. Who am I? I am a champion. Who am I? I am a champion. Okay, you guys, I am so excited because I get to introduce my very own sister, Julia Mancuso, to the show today. Not only is she a champion in my mind and in so many other people's minds, but she's also a huge inspiration for Rowie and I to do this podcast just like Tora was. So we got to grow up with the two of you and you guys are just literally like the champions in our minds. And so we just love you guys. And we're so excited to have you here. For those of you guys that don't know Julia, she is an alpine ski racer, which I actually was an alpine ski racer too. We grew up in Lake Tahoe, California, and she is a four-time Olympic champion. She won gold in Torino, two silvers in Vancouver, and then a bronze in Russia which makes her the most decorated female Olympian in alpine ski racing for the United States as of today, which is 2021. She's also a mama to little Sunny, and she has another little one coming. And she's a wife to Dylan, who is my brother-in-law. We just obviously love them. She's my best friend. And she is such an inspiration to children in ski racing and to everyone in her life. In fact, her motto is Just Be Yourself. She has her own podcast called Just Be Yourself with Julie Mancuso. So we're so excited to have you today, Julia. Oh, thanks for having me. And it's so fun you guys are doing this. We are pumped already. Julia, when I first laid eyes on you, probably when you were 15, yeah, you've been inspiring me since that day. But tell our listeners, the young ones, I'm sure everyone's wondering, how did you get started? You're good at so many sports. Like, how was it ski racing? Tell us the story. Well, I definitely give all of that credit to my parents. They are amazing and were the real people who just realized in their own life that sports and being outside and being in nature and moving your body was really the best possible, I guess, thing you could do in your life. I felt like they totally just wanted us to ski and encouraged us to ski, but it wasn't so much a product of like, we need to be ski racers than the environment we grew up in, just living in a small town in the mountains and encouraging us to go out and love it. And I think the addiction to adrenaline sports was like my main driver for sure. And having an older sister to sort of lead the way, that was huge as well. But I know just trying other sports, I mean, they tried to get us into lots of team sports. I mean, like I said, movement was a huge part of our life. My mom made sure we were busy all the time and I I did so many sports. But I think what really got me with skiing was the freedom and the adrenaline and the rush of it because, you know, tennis was just so boring to me and I loved soccer, but it also wasn't as inspiring. It wasn't action-packed. It wasn't like the freedom of gliding down the snow and the exhilaration and thrill of what skiing brings to me. So I know that I'm always like a super competitive person and that I was always loving just action and, and sports, but there was something about the adrenaline aspect and the being outside and challenging just myself part of skiing that I loved so much. 
what I would love for you to share, because I totally agree. I mean, we literally grew up at the base of a mountain. So it was like, that was what we were doing. (laughs) And we just are so blessed that we got to have that opportunity. And I think what, because I am the older sister, what has been always so amazing is watching you have these visions for your success in skiing and how you have basically been able to almost like manifest everything. And so tell everybody a little bit about how you even learned how to do that. And maybe even tell a little story about some visualization posters that poster that you drew, because I think that is one of the coolest stories ever. Well, I think a part of the reason that my mental game was so strong and that just like our parents had this drive well, especially our mother had this drive to teach us about that kind of stuff was because we didn't have a very easy childhood. Our background was our father went to prison when we were, I was in kindergarten and our parents got divorced shortly after. And, um, you know, I know it's not something that like, I can't say that by having a difficult childhood was what got me to that place. Because I think that if you have amazing supportive parents and your childhood seems kind of easy, I think you can get to the same place. I don't think you need to have adversity in your life to need to find those sort of tricks. But I do think that it's something we should all remind ourselves is that, you know, you can always make any situation bad. I think like as kids, especially like even though from the outside, now looking back, we had this incredibly tough childhood as a child tough is all relative, right? Like spilling your milk can be just as tough as your parent going away for jail to jail. And I know that sounds crazy, but it is. You don't know. You have no perspective as a child. So being able to take advantage of any adverse situation, no matter what people from the outside think is difficult, like only you know. And so just really being able to stand up every day and be positive and know that you have a, a goal in the future. I think goal setting is really, really important. And kind of creating a vision for yourself. So um, our mom always taught us how to be positive. You know, like I said, was coming because we had a lot of outside influences that seemed negative at the time. She always encouraged us to be positive, encouraged us to look on the bright side, encouraged us to reevaluate and look what we actually wanted in the future. So for me, I, of course, had this older sister that was super popular, super successful. And I grew up in a town where we actually held the Olympics. And there was just all these signs that were influencing me on, you know, like, where do I see myself when I am older? And of course, watching videos, I think it's even more accessible now. You know, we watch videos of the very best in the world. You can watch World Cup races and skiing. You can watch anything on TV of professional athletes to inspire you. So you have that vision right at your fingertips. It's so easily accessible. And so for me, you know, we used to just have the videos. We would watch World Cup winning runs and we'd have posters of the champions in our locker room. And one day when we were just waiting for the weather to go away, I took the poster and part of me was making a joke about it, but I took that poster and I drew on the backside that I was going to do everything. It was, it was Tommy Mo, who's of double Olympic medalist and much older than me. And I took that as inspiration was like, well, I'm going to do everything that he did, but better. And that was kind of where the inspiration of 
the poster came. So it was <laughs> sort of a combination of me manifesting for sure, but it was also just not being afraid to put it out there. I didn't care. I thought it was funny, but also fun because I like dreamt that. And I was like, okay, this is going to be me. This is my poster. And I left it up and I turned that around and I just put it right back up where his poster was and was like, that's going to be me. Oh, I didn't know that end part of the story when you had it up in the room. I love that you talked earlier about you don't have to have a hard childhood to learn these habits. It's one of the reasons we are doing this podcast. We want the kids to plug in and listen to you guys. I think a lot of the stories of the champions we'll have on, they will talk about hard things in their childhood. And I think when things are hard, you got to dig down deep. Your mom, you know, sounds like taught you the habit of raising with your mind. And I wonder if when you have an easy childhood, you don't have to lean on those skills because you can kind of survive. Whereas you guys, you had to, otherwise you were you know, rock bottom. That's going to be interesting to see as we go along. But did you, Julia, when you put that poster up, did you have any people laughing at you or doubting you or telling you like, oh, nice one, like, you know, haters? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there were, but it, it was a funny... Yeah, I don't actually remember. I just remember, to be honest, it might even have been flipped over. I could have drew it and put it up and they turned it around to Tommy Mo again. I don't remember. All I know is that after I won my gold medal, they still have the poster and, um, you know, it was still up in the team room. We actually took it because we're like, oh, maybe we need to make sure this doesn't disappear. So we like took it and got it framed. And now I have it in my childhood room at home. I have to do something with all of my memorabilia. Someday I will. Maybe it'll go back in the team room now that it's secure. But I don't really remember, you know, I just, I think like I was constantly kind of made fun of anyway, because I was four years younger than my sister. She was awesome. I liked to cause trouble. And <laughs> so I probably just ignored it. You know what's so cool? If you guys get a chance, you can go on YouTube and Google just like Julia Mancuso visa poster and you'll see the whole there's a whole little commercial on it. So you can check it out because it is really cool. It's cool to see that what you visualized, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And Morgan so Freeman. Yeah. But he <laughs> narrated that. So that's pretty cool, too. That is cool. So get your coloring pens out, you guys listening. Make a poster. Seriously, the visualization is so is so key. Let's talk about actually that gold medal. Let's talk about how you have always just been able to, you're just like clutch when it really matters. And I think that is something that is really what people always want to know how to do. You know, everybody out there competing in sports are like, how do you do it when it really matters? Like, what are your tips or tricks or secrets about making it, making it happen when it matters? Well, for sure, consistency. So to be honest, that day that I won the gold medal. It wasn't like that was the day I woke up and was like, I'm going to do this again today. I competed in every event in the Olympics. I actually passed on the slalom because I wanted to have extra energy, but I was slated to compete in that event as well. And I manifested every day. I went into the speed events just skiing so well. It wasn't the hill for me. It was a little flatter and I was a little smaller than the other athletes and gravity does <laughs> make a difference there. But I was skiing fast and my skis were fast and I was manifesting every day. I was putting everything into those moments. So I competed in four events at that time. Yeah, Super G. No, it was my fourth. So there's five events and I'd already competed in three. 
And I manifested, did everything, should have won, <laughs> should have at least gotten a medal. And then something went wrong. So by the time that that GS race actually came to the date, it was snowing. We wanted to get out of there. There's like a ton of really long stories I could tell, but I just woke up that morning. I'm like, oh, it's snowing again. I hope that we actually have the race so I can go home. I'm so sick of being here. And everything went wrong. And so, you know, I forgot my credentials, which looking back, you know, it was Italy and I saw the same guards to go into the Olympic, you know, secure zone every day and sort of knew how to sneak past them. So I didn't get held back. But you know, looking back, looking at other situations, I could have easily just been stopped there and not even been able to get in. So I basically made it in without a credential. April had to bring it to me later and throw it over the fence. Um, It was dumping snow. It looked like, you know, if they hadn't have injected the whole hill with water, which is what they do to keep the snow in good shape. Like if they hadn't have done that, we probably wouldn't have raced because it snowed so much that night. It was dumping during the day. It was windy. It was stormy. And so my point is that on that day, it wasn't a perfect day. It was all the work that I'd put into the other days. It was the day after day of visualizing, knowing I can win no matter what, no matter what kept me down, practicing that like I know I could be the best. And on that day, even though I didn't maybe practice that same exact routine, I had put all the work in and I still was super excited about my sport. I loved the skiing part. I was psyched to go out there and race when I actually got my turn to. But but yeah, so I mean like visualizing, it doesn't have to be that intense. It's like all of the moments that you put into working up into the moment that actually comes true. Like most of the time you look back and you're like, wow, I can't believe that worked. It's not like you are doing it in the moment. You're like, this is working. (laughs) It's kind of like happens in a flash and an instance. And you realize, wow, like all of that hard work that I did put in visualizing, planning on winning, seeing that success, it did finally work. Doesn't have to work every time. But if it works that one time that happens to be the Olympics, like it's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. I've always admired you so much for like you talked about the consistency and the hard work like I saw that but also you have this special spirit in the world of ski racing I feel like this spirit of just like fun and joy and it's kind of not like typical in our sport you're probably more fit for a snowboarder surfer maybe (laughs) but where did yeah tell us more about that because I think that is a like habit let's say that I would want my kids to have anyway, after having a career of my own and watching yours, you definitely found the joy and the fun more than anyone I know. Tell us how you did that. Did someone teach you? I think that's also another just product of not having fun and wondering what am I doing here? I had so many moments where it just felt like, okay, if skiing's not fun, or being a professional athlete's not fun, then what am I doing it for? Because it's really hard work. You are accountable to so many people. And all you do is disappoint people pretty much the whole time. Because if you really think about it, like, only like the super duper legends win all the time, which even then they'll say like, that they fail more than they win. Sports is a very crazy 
career. You really fail more than you succeed by huge amounts. And so you have to look at the big picture. For me, it was those moments where I was like, oh, that sucked. You know, I was bad or talking bad about myself or just being depressed where I was like, well, was it fun? Did I enjoy being out there? And it was almost as if the attitude that I took away from the day was how I felt about the day. So by saying, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I wish I could be better and try to change my mindset all the time. And and I talk a lot about putting up stop signs because I think our mom, a huge thing came that she taught us is thoughts are things and they become bigger. You know, the more you think about how much things suck, the more things are going to suck. So I really tried to change my perspective and have fun and it made me think back to my childhood and realize, you know, I loved skiing because it was fun. And I chose a sport that I loved because it was fun. And I chose that to be my career because it was so much fun. And, you know, another really interesting thing about most sports is like you're done so at such a young age. You have to compete. You put your body through the ringer and you have to perform at such a high level. And then all of a sudden, I mean, some sports you even hit 20 and you're old news or done. So you have to real like, for me, it's just kind of realizing the bigger picture and taking a step back and taking it all in and just being so grateful for the opportunity to actually get to do something that is so inspiring and fun. And I think that that's also a really good place to check if you really love it. Like I would never encourage someone to be a ski racer that doesn't love skiing. Because I truly believe that we can all have in our lives what we cherish and value the most. Um, And that can be your career. That can be the sports you participate in. It's just finding what you really, really love and being honest with yourself. I love it. It's always been so fun just even going to all the competitions with you because we do always have so much fun and you always have so much fun. But I know there have been times when it hasn't been fun. And I think that that's something that it's great for people to hear just like that. Like, how do you pull yourself back up when it's not fun? And how do you, um, cause I, cause I saw you do that so many times, um, where it wasn't always fun, but you still, you still did it and you still managed to figure out how to make it work, you know? Well, that I think also ties back into that, like finding what you love and remembering those moments. So as much as we can learn lessons from things that, break us down or moments in a sport that just really feel like this is so terrible. I can never get through this. Really cherishing the good times and the good sessions. So I think it's just as important to learn from your mistakes as to really appraise and applaud yourself when you have successes and really revel in them. I think that (laughs) that was something that I really tried to do as much as I could because I realize, you know, these don't come around very often. So it's not being cocky. It's not being like over excited. It's just really appreciating it and celebrating the wins. The wins are really so hard to come by and it's worth celebrating and it's worth remembering that feeling and taking a moment to take it all in and and remembering, okay, when things are going bad, I do this because they can also be so rewarding and go so well. That is a mic drop moment right there. Thank you. That's going to help a lot of kids, Julia. Seriously, these tools that are natural to you, not everyone knows them. I love when you talked about being an athlete and having so many people in your court and disappointing. 
so many people. I bet you there were a lot of voices in your ears at times telling you what to do, what was right, what was wrong. Take us back to before the 2006 Olympics where you won the gold medal. I know there were some voices in your ear telling you to do some things that had you not listened to your own intuition, your life would be very different. Am I right? (laughs) Uh, Well, there's definitely been a lot of times in my career, actually. I feel like, I don't know if it's something that makes a successful athlete, but like sometimes the, (laughs) when things are the most difficult or like people who want to do things so much more differently, like to me, that is a really strong sign that they have a special work ethic or like I applaud people that don't just go with the grain. I actually think it's great to go against the grain. I think that it's great to show personality. And even if it sometimes comes out in a way that people might look down upon, I think that it's just showing that you are confident in the ways that you're going to do it. And that doesn't mean that I don't believe in coaches or guidance. I think for sure that they can be your biggest ally and really help you and help pave the way to your success. But I do believe that we as individuals at a very young age have incredible intuitions and really know what's right for us. And we just need guidance. It's You don't need someone to tell you what to do. You need to listen to your heart. You need to listen to your intuition. You need to go with your gut, as they say, even if you think it's a little bit different and explore where that path takes you. Because I, I really always found that the best athletes even around me were the ones that were like maybe a little odd or were doing something a little different. They weren't just the ones that showed up to the team every day and did exactly what their coaches said. And then we're just like, oh, wondering why they couldn't do some, like why they're not getting better or this and that. Like, I think it takes a lot of individual gumption as well. (laughs) And so as, you know, a parent now and as a coach, like when I am talking to other kids, that's kind of what I always say is like, don't always just listen to what your coaches say. Take what they're saying and internalize it and sort of think of how you're feeling or what you think you need to do. And then talk about it. I think the best partnerships with athlete coach relationships are, are more partnerships. They're not dictatorships. They're there to guide, to lead, to help, but not just to tell you what to do. But as an athlete and as a kid, as an older athlete as well, like you need to be able to articulate what you really want too and what you want to do and what you want to get done. And you have to articulate your ideas. Like you can't just hold that stuff inside. I think communication is huge in improving. Yeah, I love it. Was it your gut telling you not to have that hip surgery that I'm pretty sure was recommended, right, before the 2006 Olympics? Am I remembering right? Oh, yeah. Well, I was, yeah, I was, that was a ways before, actually. I was told oh, that it was? Okay. I had hip dysplasia and that I would never be an Olympian because it just wasn't possible. Like, I, my body wasn't going to take me there. I would never be strong enough, et cetera. And I don't know, that just seems so far out there to me that it wasn't like at the time I wasn't really in pain. Like I had a little pain, but it was definitely just something I was looking into. It wasn't something that I was like, oh, I'm debilitated yet. It was just, okay, like let's explore and see why am I always having this weird little hip pain. And so it was kind of easy decision for me to put that aside for a while. Thank God I did because that did not define any bit of my career. 
Yeah. Wow. You have always been so good at listening to your intuition about everything and that you continue to do that. And it's something that I really look up to you for because it is it is a powerful thing. And the amazing thing is that as we talk to more and more athletes interviewing them in this, it's that seems to be a common thing actually is to follow your intuition and be yourself. And that is something that you are so good at. What would you go back and tell your 10 year old self? I feel like that's when you and I probably weren't really getting along that well, but <laughs> so maybe I would tell your 10 year old self, don't worry, we're going to be besties one day. But <laughs> besides like it not being about me, what would you tell your 10 year old self when it comes to just the whole ski racing thing? Well, I definitely remember everything around that age. And the biggest theme for me was patience because I wanted everything in that moment. I don't know if you remember this, but I wanted to skip grades in school because I was like, this is stupid. I already know all this stuff. I just... I needed it now. I wanted to like be out of school basically yesterday <laughs> and, and everything, you know, I wanted to go to this ski camp or travel here or I wanted to win already. And so I just really think patience is a huge, huge virtue. And, and that also goes along with, you know, putting the work in. It was, it was like, okay, I, I've got it. I've done that already. Move on instead of, okay, now let's work on your skills. I mean, my best, another great analogy is in soccer, right? Like I was such a good soccer player. I loved it and I was super fast, but like it went from being, you know, at a young age because I was fast. I was really good and I just wanted to like score goals. And then all of a sudden, in high school, I'm going to these camps. Like I still was invited to the Olympic development camps or whatever, but I got there. I'm like, Oh my God, my skills suck. Like I can't dribble the ball. I can't do any of these ball skills because I was just so fixated on, you know, getting the ball in the goal. And I didn't work on anything. I didn't spend the time working on anything. It was like, I'm fast. I can kick the ball. Like what else do I need to do? And the actual like <laughs> building your skills and take that stuff takes time and it's like really annoying and boring and you know at least for me it was and so yeah looking back i would say you know take the time to perfect each little skill and another perfect example is in skiing i hated drills i thought drills were like the stupidest thing ever and i would be like you can fail me all you want i'm not doing your stupid whirly birds and <laughs> So, yeah, I was just like patience and to enjoy the journey a little more because I just wanted everything right then and there. Oh I'm God. dying right now because my kids, you know, for those of you that, that don't know, I have a 10-year-old and a 6-year-old and they at ski team this summer or this winter, my six-year-old was like, I, they won't let me go to this next level until I do whirlybirds. I do not like whirlybirds. Why do you have to do them? And I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> Ask oh, Julia. Didn't realize you hated those too. I didn't either. Now I'm thinking I did the wrong thing because I told my kids, I was like, you're probably not made to be ski racers if you hate drills because that's what it is. And I let them quit because they hated drills too. Oh my gosh, this is hilarious. Oh, no, I was like hated <laughs> drills. I actually refused because they started to do this like base testing. I don't know. They had this thing where like you'd get a skill from one to five and you had to have a certain amount of letters. Like when I was on the Devo team, I'm like, uh, see you later. Like I don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's and my look, favorite part ever. 
Sorry, coaches that are listening to this. You- no, but so, actually, kidding. though, looking back, though, like now I'm like, why didn't it's all because it's perspective, like nobody told me that should be fun. Like act, looking now, like even with training, we were told like, go squat a bunch of weight and do this. And I just think the perspective of it should change because I actually love working out. But if you asked me when I was 13 or being on the Devo team, I was like, screw that. I hate that kind of stuff. Um, but then I started working with a trainer who knew me and got me and like every workout was always different and he would put in coordination stuff. And so it made me think like, okay, this is, this is fun now. I want to do fun things. And it's the same thing with drills. When we started doing drills in a practical matter, we started putting stubbies that were in a course, like things that made sense to me to improve. Like I loved them. So I think that's kind of my point is that patience, because like some of the stuff will totally suck. And you're like, why is this? Why am I doing this? Because we're trying to relate like, oh, you're doing this drill because you're going to be a better ski racer. But like, no, like you're doing this drill because it's really hard. You're working on your fine motor skills on your skis and like perfect it. It's going to be fun. So sometimes I think we like overlook that and you look too far like, I just don't think it's good to be like, oh, you're going to do a whirly word because it's making you a better ski racer. That's bullshit. Like, excuse my language. <laughs> like, that's just not going to make you a better ski racer. It's going to make you a better overall skier and you're going to be really good at whirly birds, but it doesn't necessarily translate. So I think it should be more about take the patience and to learn to love all aspects of a sport, not just to think you're doing something because it's going to make you better. I think that's where we get a little lost and where I would tell my 10 year old self, like, let's make this all fun because those things are fun and you're going to be good at it. Yeah. Okay. I get it. We get it. This is good. Julia, you've talked about manifesting a lot, that word. Maybe you can break down a little practical stuff for the young listeners. Like, do you have any pre-race rituals, prep? Like, is there music? Is there food that you eat? Is there lucky underwear? Is there, you know, just talk us through that. So it took me a while to get into a pre-race routine, kind of like the drills. I was like, whatever, I'm just going to show up and ski. But it started to kind of make sense because some of the stuff intuitively that I was doing were actually things that I learned through routine to make me better. So just showing up or whatever, not thinking about it was just continuing my flow state from the day and going into the race which turned into when I started to be a little bit more organized and prepped for my runs. That was like the main goal. Like, uh, I think things kind of work in the opposite. Like you might go through nervous phases when you're younger, but then you just kind of get used to the routine. But then the older you get, or maybe the more injuries you have, you start to have your, your mind starts to wander a little. So it was working on different tactics and techniques to, basically clear my mind and then just making sure that I was happy when I left the Stargate. Look, like getting rid of all the nerves because I think that your body just vibrate at a higher level and things feel good when you're happy. And I believe in preparation. So doing all the visualization and stuff before, like you don't do that the one minute before your run. You do that so many times in the hour leading into your run that you don't need to do it in the five minutes or even 10 minutes leading into your run. Maybe you do one last time when you're getting a course report from your coaches or going over the course 
with your coach and then you kind of forget about it. And then you'll remember, right, when you get in the Stargate with a clear mind and like an open spirit, you'll be able to kick out of the Stargate and sort of your body will know what to do. Mm -hmm. Did you visualize kind of your life, not just skiing runs, but did you visualize at night and in the morning? Like, I'm curious how much of that you did. Uh, Well, it depends. I think if there was something really important. So for example, Olympics for me, I think the latest Olympics in Sochi, my last Olympics is a perfect example. Things weren't going well for me. So I had to visualize every day because I was like, uh, things are not going well on the hill. I need to visualize that I'm going to get there because I knew once again, I was trying to take the virtue of patience. I knew that, you know, in December, things were going bad. They weren't getting better. January, you know, the Olympics were just around the corner. And so, yeah, at that time, I knew that I had to visualize for things to get better because uh, they just weren't going well. And I was double guessing and questioning everything from my equipment to just my preparation. And so I, I started a journal that was just writing down everything that I wanted to be true. And that was my manifestation. I was writing, you know, my equipment is great for me. Everything works well. I am strong. I'm going to perform my best. And just like something really simple like that, because I I needed that positive affirmation. And I needed the reaffirmation to get me through those hard times. And surprisingly, but also not surprisingly, it worked out in the end. I mean, it definitely could have been better because you know, looking back, I had a moment of weakness. I think I was so surprised that I was able to get a bronze medal in the very first competition in the combined there. But the downhill, that was my course. And I totally blew it on the downhill race day. One thing led to another, I was losing my focus and that. So, you know, it's it just was, for me, I looked again, I'm like, yeah, I kind of like felt like I'd made it. And then I kind of let my guard down like, oh, it's just going to happen. So it's another, you know, example. You can't ever let your guard down. You have to be like super focused and make sure you commit to what you put out there and follow through. Oh, my gosh. Listening to you talk makes me want to go back. You guys, we had so much fun watching her ski race. I mean, some of the best times ever we're watching. We used to do fun Olympics at the Olympics. So we had our own, we'd have our own competitions with, you know, all the people watching and we'd have like, you know, kind of stupid things to do, but we had our own, it was so much fun. Just the best times ever. Okay. So we know we've taken a lot of your time. So we just have one last question that we love to ask everybody. What does being a champion mean to you? I say being a champion is putting it all out there, win or lose, at the end of the day, knowing that you did everything you could have possibly done and with a smile. That's what I believe a champion is. You know, for me, if I can start every day with a smile and end every day with a smile, then I'm a champion at life. I love that. I love it, Julia. (laughs) It's so beautiful to watch you as a mother. And we are so grateful that you are in with our vision. You've been one of our biggest cheerleaders as we begin this to give back to the kids. I know that not every kid who listens to every athlete will be like, that's my person, but there's going to be a few kids out there who literally they're going to listen and you're changing their life today. I love your joy. You inspire me to be a more fun mom and live in that like super attractive power that you literally are. 
I'm just grateful for you and that the all the kids out there get this heart and spirit today too. Thank you. Thank you guys. This is so fun. And yes, to all the kids, like really everything is possible. And don't ever let anyone tell you that it can't be fun. Because I think that's like the biggest thing in life is that we can have fun in any pursuit. Thank you so much for listening to I Am A Champion podcast. Make sure to rate, review and subscribe to the show. We are on all platforms and we really appreciate it. You can also find us on IG and TikTok at I Am A Champion podcast and YouTube at I Am A Champion. Until next time, remember you are all champions, leaving you with high fives, big hugs and big belief. April and Rowena. Who am I? I am a champion.